0: n-e-t-s-u-i-t-e dot com slash w-t-f <laughs> all right let's do this how are you what the fuckers what the fuck buddies what the fuck nicks what's happening this is mark Marin talking it's me i'm talking how's it going What's going on with you? I, you know, I've been away a long time. I'm ready to come home. Hopefully, if all is working correctly, I will be on my way home. As you listen to this, I will be flying transatlantically. So much has happened. So much has happened since Monday. I go into a depth with some stuff on the uh, on the bonus content. If you're not part of the WTF Plus party. There's bonus content over there. Like I woke up and I talked for 20 minutes, kind of a groggy, but thoughtful about some stuff that I did. So that's over there. That is over there at the bonus content in WTF plus land, which I believe is like five bucks a month, bunch of bonus content, more me for you. But anyway, interesting thing happened. Actually, I, uh, well, first let me say that Ron Carter is on the show today. Ron Carter is the most recorded jazz bassist in history. He's played with all of the greats. He's been a a maestro himself for decades and decades. He was with uh, Miles Davis's second great quintet, many solo records. I I had to do sort of a deep dive myself because as much as I love jazz, I still can't wrap my brain around the expanse of jazz. But he's the subject of the new documentary, Ron Carter, Finding the Right Notes, which is very informative and sort of puts him in to context and also gives him the rightful place he deserves as one of the architects of modern jazz and also sort of celebrates the expanse of his incredible talent. And uh, and he's a, a great guy as well. But just to prepare for Ron Carter, I, it was sort of a panic. but the bottom line is is that I, I like to listen to jazz. I like to listen to all kinds of jazz. But I'm no jazz scholar. I do love it and I do like learning about it. And just getting into Ron Carter and seeing all the different stuff. I mean he's been on over 20 like 2,300 records. And that Miles Davis period, the Miles Davis quintet, the second one, that, the, the one that he was in with Herbie Hancock, Wayne Shorter, Tony Williams. I mean, that's just, a, that's just such a small part of this guy's life. And he's still at it. So I really had to humble myself, do what I could do in terms of understanding his place in the history of music. And his influence in the history of music that almost if you play bass, if you play a note of bass, whether you know it or not, you are influenced by uh, Ron Carter. But I enjoyed doing the research, listening to a lot of his solo work over the years, listening to the stuff he did with other people. You know, whether it be uh, Freddie Hubbard, Lee Morgan, McCoy Tyner, Horace Silver, Chet Baker, you know, it's just crazy and he's he played on that first Paul Simon record which is great Roberta Flack's first record I believe anyway just getting into it it was one of those things where you you not only appreciate an artist but you know to really appreciate the bass the subtleties and the depth and you know what he did how he opened up the portal and the the range of the instrument it's uh, it was a phenomenal it was a phenomenal experience and I went to see him when I was in New York, as I might have mentioned. When I was in New York, I went to see him play at Birdland uh, with a trio—you uh, know, a guitar player and a, a guy on the piano there—and it was great. The audience was great. Jazz audiences—it's—it's it's, you could hear a pin drop, and he's playing that double bass, that big acoustic instrument. It's very—it's you know—it's a, a beautiful instrument to hear plucked and moved around about the squeaks and the slides and the the thump that you can you can feel it, man. He had this amazing guitar player with him, this guy, Russell Malone, this piano player, Donald Vega. But the audience is so polite and feeling it. You know, you got to feel stuff. You got to feel the humanness of certain types of performance. I don't know that we appreciate it in the age of arenas, in the age of uh, content providers, in the age of short attention spans, in the age of... Of hyper-produced sound, it, to to really deal with the authentic thing of a guy sitting there playing bass in a trio at Birdland, mildly amplified. The sort of human the human touch of jazz, especially of that instrument. It was just, it was phenomenal. It was phenomenal to sit there, and it was phenomenal to see him, to see him do it. And I just have one of those brains that interfaces with that stuff. It's it's relaxing to me. But anyways, the nature of performing. I mean, I kind of like to talk about it a little bit. The nature of performing as a performer. Because I've seen I came to I came to Dublin, and this is in reference to jazz and to anything that you know sort of you know requires you to pay attention to the actual human touch to the human sound, to the human presence, to being engaged with that. I was in London at the Bloomsbury theater. It was Sunday night. Now look, whether you guys know me or not, or you know what I'm capable of or not as a comic, I've been doing this my entire life, really my entire adult life. I've spent on a stage of one kind or another talking to people. And I was in London and it was at that Bloomsbury theater about 520 seats and I'm doing the stand-up show and stage right in the balcony there is a woman who's being a a, a, drunky talky chatty wants to talk to me and within the first hour of the show I'm doing right now you know I kind of dealt with her politely you know tried to got some laughs with her um was not an asshole, which I which I can be. I did not abuse her uh, or, or give her that kind of attention, though she did want attention. And I was trying to diplomatically get her to ease out of it so I could, you know, kind of continue my show without coming down on her in a nasty way. Like, okay, I get it. You're well drunk. You want some attention, fine. So I can do that because I'm a professional comedian and I know that within the comedy experience... Everyone knows that happens, and it does. I can deal with it. But an interesting thing happened because there is a point in the show that I'm doing now where I talk comedically and in a funny way about my experience with grief and with uh, Lynn Shelton's passing, but there is a shift in tone to it, and I'm conscious of it, that I need to show up with a certain amount of Eh, openness or vulnerability—I I don't know what it is—but there, there, there is a weight to carrying the ideas of grief, you know, onto a comedy stage, and I'm aware of it. I don't want to trivialize it, so I have to enter it whole and not really that guarded. So when I started that section of the show after diplomatically shutting up the woman in the balcony, you know, I started that section. And I mentioned, you know, Lynn's passing, and that woman whistled. And I said, "Are you fucking kidding me? Why you're whistling at this moment? You have to go." And she says, "No, I'm a fan of the Sword of Trust." I, I'm, I'm like, "You have to go. You have to go now, because I want to do this material, and I don't want you here." You have to go. And she's like, all right. And and they were, she was gone. They they left and supported by the venue. And I had to re-engage back into this situation. I was, you know, it was fucking profoundly disappointing and aggravating that lack of ability to behave like a fucking audience member, like a person who respects a person who's performing after, you know, I fucking met her halfway. And, you know, and honestly, it, it was just, it wasn't shocking, but it was just, it was kind of surprising. And I didn't want to destroy the tenor of the performance. And I did want to do the material, but I needed to get back to it. So I I had them removed, and when they were gone, I re-entered the zone, which is one of comedy, in order to do the material I wanted to do, Um, not so much safely, but without worrying about being hijacked by profound insensitivity and just fucking shameless impoliteness in the context of a performance. And it stuck with me. It stuck with me because, you know, I've seen a couple of plays since I've been away. I told you I saw that Eureka Day uh, in London. But then I went to see this other show here in Ireland. Like, I got to Ireland and I went to... It's weird how we kind of get into into patterns and, you know, whether they're based on memory or what. The last time I was here, I was with Lynn Shelton, you know, on our way up to the North Country where we... You know spent a couple of weeks you know it was a, a pretty amazing trip and uh you know so it's it, it is an emotional return in in some ways and, and a sad one there's an absence to it my point is i get off the plane there's a restaurant i go to i go to this cornucopia place which is this kind of a like you know old school uh kind of hippie vegetarian that I enjoy and I just didn't you know I I just wanted to do things I didn't want to get stuck just hanging around this one or two blocks of Grafton Street there are places I go to buy tweeds I had to stop myself from buying you know hats or sweaters things I won't wear or will wear once I did buy a kit a hat at the tweed place that I usually go to so there's just stops I have Here, but I I made sure that, like you know, I I just looked around to see what was happening, and there was a play going on at the Abbey Theatre, which is, you know, the, it's like a historic joint, a historic venue, and the play that was there was based on a book I knew nothing about, um, but I was like, I'm going to go. It looked heavy. It was called The Solar Bones. It was starring this guy, Stanley Townsend. I didn't know who did it. Adapted by Michael West. I didn't know the book. Directed by someone uh, named Lynn Parker. But it looked heavy. It looked intense. And I was just sort of on a theater jack. So I bought tickets to that without knowing anything about it. And then when I got to my hotel room, somebody from Dublin said Angel Olsen was playing at the venue that I'll be playing at. And I was like, holy shit. So I remember, you know, Sharon Von Enten, Open for Angel Olsen, so I text Sharon Van Etten in the States to text Angel or Angel's tour manager, and she texted from the States the tour manager to get me two seats. I only needed one uh, at the venue that I'm performing at at Vicar Street, and I went to see Angel Olsen. Thank you, Sharon Van Etten for setting me up, but uh, but yeah, and it was great with this big band at Vicker Street in Dublin with, uh, with uh, I think, a viola and a cello. It might have been a violin, um, keyboards, drums. She's on guitar, a guitar player. It was great. She was great. Sat through, I, I watched the whole thing. Didn't even split after uh, after 45 minutes, which is my MO. And then I went to see The Solar Bones. And I was profoundly moved by this theatrical piece based on this book, an hour and a half, hour 35, monologue primarily taken from this book of a guy Was visiting his house as basically an apparition. Pulling his life together, thinking about his life. But the point is, the performance. I don't go to enough theater. What I do is kind of theater. But it kind of makes me think, like, maybe I want to do a little theater. Like, for real. And this play was so beautiful. I had to buy the book. And the book is like, was a big book here. The solar bones by mike mccormack and i'm now i'm reading the book because stuff that i see on stage whether it's comedy or theater or anything resonates with me more than anything else because most of the stuff we take in is is really falls under the the rubric is that the word or the umbrella of content you know we're all just fucking zeitgeist termites chomping away not defined by anything but our appetite to fucking keep feeding on bits and pieces of information branded a certain way, but to sit and engage with another person for as long as they can hold you, or even longer. Sometimes you gotta sit, sometimes you gotta wait, sometimes you might doze, but that's all right. You're in connection, you're in an exchange of emotions and ideas with another human in the theater. But then I bought the book today, it was the last copy they had, and I'm thrilled. I mean, it's like, it's kind of brilliant i got to read more. I've got to enjoy life. And if this is what it is that I enjoy is engaging with theater and books and thinking and jazz. Fuck it. Got to get my brain out of the termite zone. Zeitgeist termites heading towards fascism and figure out, you know, who I am and how I feel and what to say in the face of it all based on stuff that I take in that's beautiful. And. Ron Carter's definitely one of these cats making the real shit for a long time. The real music It was an honor to talk to this guy. And again, before uh, I kind of set him up here, Ron Carter, finding the right notes just premiered on PBS. You can stream it now at PBS.org and PBS digital platforms. And this is me talking to Ron in New York City. i uh, i'm very uh, honored and uh in awe to speak to you i will say that <laughs> <laughs> right at the onset there you know i was at the show last night i mean qu- a quick question about, sure. about that show or okay. just about like watching you live for the first time for me now you know, do you come away like this morning with, uh, do? You, do you, did you have moments that you remember today?
1: Yes. You did? Yes. You know, what What my, I generally talk not so much, and as I've gotten to be a band leader, I've talked more and more just to retain, and, and as the audience gets physically closer and closer, yeah, it's kind of necessary to, have a verbal contact with them. Do that. Do know some words? Yeah, yeah. I just don't go. Do 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 No, no. I got, I got a vocabulary.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. And I have a friend who said, uh, Ron Maestro, the audience is coming back to live again. Yeah. And the people who come to see you, they want to hear you. They yeah. want to hear your voice. Right. <laughs> yeah. And they want to talk. They want to hear you verbalize feelings. Yeah. Yeah. You know. And, and so I decided to do. A little more introduction to the songs, sure. A little lighthearted humor that it's just not just all grim. Yeah, you know, yeah. There's, there's some there's some happiness up here, which yeah. makes it each yeah. to play this music. Yeah, and so I've come up with a little two things that kind of engage them. Yeah, and the New York audience love that stuff. Yeah, man. yeah, sure. You know, I said the other day. Uh, I got three quick questions, and here's number two. And and all New York okay. New York gets that man. Yeah,
0: yeah, right. Yeah, but
1: it helps them get in my pocket. Right, sure, yeah. And I want that. Verbal connection to tie them into my thought process as I planned the program two days ago. Uh huh.
0: So you do it that quick. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: You know, and when I have them, it makes planning the program easier.
0: And also, like, I, I think that there's something I notice about watching jazz and about uh, the experience of it. There, There's always something interesting to me going all the way back where, you know, when someone's soloing, and and everyone else just literally hanging around smoking a cigarette, almost
1: mm-hmm. right.
0: I've I noticed it. Well, I think I've literally seen that waiting thing. And there's a, a not a politeness, but there's a respect in the in the jazz room that that seems a little austere, right? So I think that when you talk and, and open and open your heart just a little bit, it brings people into a different space. Mm-hmm. The respects get deeper in a way.
1: Well, I know if I could go back a minute, uh, one of the reasons that when I do a solo piece, I want the band on the bandstand. I want the audience to see the musicians are completely engaged in what this solo person is playing. Yeah. They're not on their iPad. They haven't gone to the bar. <laughs> yeah, they are yeah, doing yeah. whatever they need to do. With them, they haven't disappeared. And once the musician leaves the bandstand, people's focus is on him leaving, Right. not necessarily what's going on as he's leaving. Sure. And once I get them, to, the bands to be involved with the band playing, the audience responds to that. Said, "Man, I don't know what that guy's gonna do by himself, but these other guys, they want to watch. Yeah, I want that.
0: Yeah, everyone was now, connected.
1: I want them to be up on the bandstand emotionally. Yeah, and once I get them to see, in this case, Russell Malone and Don Vega enjoying or being pleased or being amazed at or questioning how I do that or what music I'm trying to do." They're already, already, they're already there, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah, know, yeah, and, yeah. and the image of the TV where they have the musicians puffing on cigarettes or whatever—that's just for TV. That's just for that this separate audience. Yeah, we're playing with people who are breathing just like us. Sure. Yeah. I'm trying to find their breathing rhythm more or less to help them, help me find things to do that makes them hold that breath. Yeah.
0: Well I noticed yeah, I noticed. It was when, great, man. Yeah, yeah. And when you're playing, like I was I was wondering that last night, like do you are you aware of how you're breathing and when oh, yeah. you breathe?
1: Yes, man. I, that's, a, that's a sentence. I got a sentence going. Yeah, yeah. And these are my commas, my right. my exclamation points and my yeah. or my questions or my I sometimes I just kinda just scrape the bass. I I just go frustrated, I can't figure out what these notes are coming yeah, out. Yeah. They see that. Right. And I'm breathing just like they're breathing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Here we go.
1: And when I let it go, you hear this. Yeah
0: yeah And like uh, But but like in terms of What I I was bringing up Like about last night Was there a point of departure Where you know because I've heard you speak about this, and I, and I, I speak about it in, in some of what I do when I do comedy. That, you know, once you lay down the foundation of what you're doing, right, which mm-hmm, is mm-hmm. essential, yeah. structure, foundation,
1: form. And then form,
0: then, you know, then you can take off a little bit. Yeah. And, and that's where you don't know what's going to happen.
1: Absolutely. Well, well, you, you have an idea because you're planning for. There's a context. Yes. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah.
0: Okay. So, but, you know, it's like a gift.
1: Yes. Right. And, yeah. I'm afraid <laughs> I, that I'm afraid to accept sometimes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Why cuz you can't understand? Yes.
1: Hmm. And I don't want to I don't want to know too much more than what I do. Right. You now one of the hard things about teaching, Mark, for me, is students would ask very very important questions. That's their job. Yeah. Right. And my job is to respond as best I can. Yeah. At that moment to answer that specific question. Right. But sometimes those questions are so penetrating. Yeah. And 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 uh, so uh Amazingly naive that they're very powerful. Sure, and to answer those questions, it makes me think about well, how do I do that? Yeah, and why do I do that? Yeah, I love the mystery of not knowing that. You
0: can't explain that moment. But they
1: ask. I know, right? And I got to find a way to have them understand that that's okay. I don't have an answer either, but I try to do it every night. (laughs) But that's that's like, why I go to work every night. Man. That's,
0: but that's like the fleeting gift of it.
1: Yes, of course. And they, and, and, and once they see that, they come back tomorrow night. Yeah. Are you going to do it again?
0: Yeah, who knows? It's called a fan club. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're waiting. They're, they're, you're like an astronaut. Yes. They want to see if you get to space. That's correct. Yeah, but like because when it happens to me, like sometimes you know in that moment that that's, if, if it wasn't recorded, the only witnesses I have is me and them
1: and, and it's i love not, that I, me too I, you know you know once it's gone yeah it's not really gone
0: yeah because it's, it's gone
1: it's, that they can't reproduce it tomorrow that's right
0: right but it's been released yeah, absolutely yeah so d- is that how you sort of I, I was trying to think about from from the beginning so you you know you've been on you know 2200 summer records yeah
1: and and, si- I, and six and six okay
0: <laughs> and i have to i have to assume on some level this is uh an ongoing conversation yes that you have to that in, in uh, that this is not just like this is my work or this is you know this record or that record. This is one continuous movement through my life, yes. through the music, through yes. my expression, my and, experiences. And it's all out there. Yes, yes. So going back, like to where when you grew up, when the moment that you decided that the music was going to be for you, do you remember that? Uh, you remember it as a calling.
1: Well, you know, let, let's not go back that far. Yeah, <laughs> I'm celebrating my 85th birthday this year. Yeah, so you asked me to, to subtract a whole lot of years. Yeah. Having said, if you can go back, uh, just an, an example was well, 1963-ish or so.
0: Well, yeah, that's a good example. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I was on the, I was on the with a group. I was, I was playing music with a bunch of guys. Yeah. And part of the song had some tags. At the end of the song, we just kind of keep playing the same eight bars over and over and over and over. You know. Yeah. And at some point, I heard some different notes. Yeah, I heard some different changes. And this, uh, some guys in the band, uh, they didn't think that was okay. Yeah, they had another view of, you know, one six one six four five one. Yeah, they were they were happy with that. Right. Mark, I was no longer happy with that. I knew that, I knew what that was. I had already done that. Right. On on that record or on that game. Sure. But I'm hearing another concept. I said, wait a minute there must be another way to find a set of notes that makes not just the music feel different, but makes the band feel different.
2: Yeah,
0: and then and you, you chased it.
1: Yeah, and, and I was doing that, and these guys were reluctant. And, and it got to the point, man, where we were ready to go outside about this thing, man. I mean, oh, lived. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I said, wait a minute. And, and somebody said, guys, it's <laughs> yeah. only a B-flat fucking seven, okay, <laughs> just <laughs> sit down with that stuff, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. I said, no, man, it's important to have this guy understand that why would I allow myself to be just a palm tree and this guy gets all the desserts? Right. No, I wanna, be, I wanna be in front of the palm tree for a change. Right. So Rhythmically, harmonically, all that stuff. Yeah. And I was willing to go outside with this guy because he got down to that kind of personal level. Yeah. Then I realized, Mark, if the music means so much to me, if my point of view for me is now found it so valid and it's so concrete and I can see where I can go with this. Yeah. If it means making that really happen for me, to go outside with these persons and duke it out in the street while this like looking like Linus and and, and it's Peanuts. Yeah. I'm willing to do that. Yeah. I said, well, okay, well, if that's what I'm feeling, I got to work on what that is.
0: Yeah. And you, you might as well work it out with a drummer yeah. as opposed to with your fists. <laughs> yes.
1: Yeah. Or, or a <laughs> stick. Whatever. <laughs> or a, a baseball. Because,
0: like, I noticed, like, even just you know, kind of getting trying to get up to speed, that the difference between you know, just for you. Between like 1961, you know, with Eric Dolphy and mm-hmm. 1969 with, uh, you know, Uptown Conversation, mm-hmm. stylistically, mm-hmm. is profound. So, like, when you're coming up, I mean, do you know where you're sort of entering the the the, the sort of legacy of jazz before you? Do you know?
1: Well, you know, I, I think I could listen to that now and analyze that. When we, we had to spend this, this I called it the big intermission. My students recommended certain records for me to hear because I had never heard them since Your records. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And I can see I was developing something that I did not have the vocabulary to express. Yeah. And some of that Eric Dolphy record where I knew what was happening, but I didn't know what it was.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: yeah. And I didn't know whether I wanted to pursue that because I thought that maybe it was more Eric's baseball to carry, you know? Right. But I knew that I had an impact then on my note choices. It changed Eric's... Immediacy of doing what he's going to do. Uh-huh. I didn't understand the power of the bass at that time. I just knew it did something.
0: Right, so that's it. It's it's like harnessing the power for yeah. yourself.
1: Understanding. Yeah, yeah. That I can control all these items, man, by just the right note, man. Yeah. And that <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. as I as I tell you this, I, I sit here, man. Fortunately, I'm sitting down. Yeah. Because it's the kind of thought that knocks you on your ass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You mean tell me if you play F sharp on this note, it stops the band. Yes. Yeah. And you saw that the other night. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Well, I mean, the it because like I I try to you know consider you know that you are knowing that you started in classical and mm. knowing that you know you still play classical at mm. times and then you you bring what you've learned from your other experience in music to classical. Yes. A classic. Yes. That because I'm sort of a student of it Like I'm no Like you know jazz to me Is 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 almost too big a universe For mm-hmm. me to wrap my brain around But you know I, I can listen to it And I listen to it a lot And I know certain guys And I know certain things But I don't know how the whole Structure of things works I can't talk too many numbers I mm. mean I'm a, a guitar player I can do one four five yeah, Maybe yeah. one other thing mm-hmm. <laughs> But that's about
1: it yeah, yeah. So
0: when you put a foundation down Of classical You know what does that give you?
1: Well, it, it, two things. Yeah, it gives you a sense of what structure is and how really important it is mm. to the success of this particular melody. Yeah, or this set of chords. Right. And the other thing it gives me. Yeah. Is the understanding if I change one note of this sequence, it's now my sequence.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'm
1: starting to appreciate that.
0: Right. So, know. so when you were playing, like you started playing cello. Yes. And, and, and the opportunity came to play bass, you uh, you already knew the music, right?
1: Well, I understood the consequences. Yeah. But the reason I switched instruments had nothing to do with music in of itself. Yeah. Ultimately, Mark, it, it was the, the, the situation where I wanted to be treated equally. Of course, that affects music when you got orchestras and jazz groups, but I just wanted to be equally in terms of the op- opportunities that were available to me. I want to be able to say, no, I don't want to do that gig. Right. Rather than waiting for an invitation that never came. Right. So,
0: so you know, you found yourself pushed out.
1: Yes, not, not be, wanted. Not
0: getting opportunities. Yeah, that's correct. But pr- not because of your talent.
1: No. Just no.
0: because of race.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, that's an interesting story in the doc. I liked it where, you know, uh, it was that there was they, they lost their bass player and there were no other options. Yeah. You realize, like. Well, I can take that.
1: I can do that, absolutely. <laughs> I was prepared, I practiced, like everybody, I practiced X number of hours a day, I knew the yeah. library, I was getting some real skill, I was showing some real unique talent in interpreting the music. Yeah. I couldn't understand why that wasn't enough anymore. Yeah. You know, And, and uh, when the bass player graduated, I said, well, one from one leaves zero, I can fill that slot. And this and,
0: wasn't in Manhattan?
1: This was No, where... in, in, in New York City. Oh, it was in New well, York City. It was City. in the Castech. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 19...
0: Yeah. Boy, Is it graduate school now? No, no, or? no. I was a
1: senior in high school, man. Oh, it was high school, right. 1952, uh, uh, 50, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So by the time you get
0: 50. going with jazz, though, like, like Big Band was kind of done, right? It's less, less popular. By the time you got in, right? Yeah. yeah so, yeah. and you had a lot of cats that were coming out of Big Band starting to do... The Bop thing, right?
1: Mm-hmm. bird, Dizzy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they were in big bands back then though. With Nestor Young, right? Yeah. 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 Coleman Hawkins. Right. right. Coleman Hawkins. Yeah. You got to play with him, right? Yeah, man. It's called the Hawk Flies. Yeah, yeah. it was you know, he came by my my apartment with this Chrysler 300 series. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he said, and you uh, bring my doorbell, I said, Mr. Garter. I said, oh man, my wife. Who was that? <laughs> and I said, uh, I'm Calvin Hawkins and we have this recording uh, within an hour from now. Can you come to this date with me? He's got in the car and we do about the Rudy Van Gelder's. <laughs> yeah, in Jersey. Yeah, I made yeah. this record with Tommy Flanagan yeah. and, and uh, Eddie Lockjaw Davis. It, I said, man, I'm, if heaven is better than this, send me a brochure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't, and that's the way it kind of went sometimes. Huh? Yeah, I can't believe this. I can't believe that I'm here because these guys no other choices. Right. And who was your first gig with? The first big gig was Chico Hamilton, and he came out of that, right? Yeah,
0: like Count Basie and some other stuff.
1: Absolutely, from California style.
0: Yeah, and what's the difference, California and New York?
1: Uh, I think it's the the aggressiveness of the music. In New York, players, yeah, they they just go, go hell bent wherever right, it is. Right. Let's yeah. just play loud and fast. You and got whole people here,
0: in in California, it's fewer people.
1: Yeah, you and got, the, you got the palm trees and, and, and the and, ocean. And it's, it's a great environment. Yeah, but New York has another edge to it, and and that's too and, and seeing that the, those edge players always edge toward New York.
0: Yeah, yeah. Who yeah. was the drummer in that one?
1: Uh, Chico was a drum, drummer in that band, but Charlie Persip was a band, recording band. And oh yeah, right, right. He came out of Daisy Gillespie's band. Okay. So the big band was still flourishing, but on a different level. Uh, the, most studios in New York had, had bands, big bands. Yeah. Well, I miss those days. Yeah. I, I wanted to hear how the arrangements work, and, and kind of what kind of sound did they get. You know, Can I be in the band with 16 guys, and have the bass player be as, as, as necessary, yeah. as the band leader, or the piano player in those bands? Well, starting next week, yeah, you're doing. I got it, a sixteen-piece huh? band. I call it my sixteen-piece quartet. Yeah, and in this band, it's the top of the cream of the crop in New York. Yeah, I'm looking forward to directing literally these 60, fifteen guys into the way I think they should play this music. Interesting. So, and man, it's going to be great, man. Yeah, it's got to be great.
0: So, but you've you've but over the years, you've done different versions of big bands. Yeah, right. And,
1: and, and you know, I, I just never stopped to understand what I was doing. And that's back to our earlier question. Mm. It seems to me that the luster and, and, and the, 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 the mystery of this cape yeah. that the jazz players have, yeah. in this case jazz players, that, that doesn't allow them at that moment to understand what took place and how they're able to make this phrase just show up out of theoretically air. Yeah, I love not knowing that.
0: But that's the only thing. But that's not
1: enough. It's time to figure out how I can do this again.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, at least most of it. Yes, absolutely. Whatever I can recall. But when you, like, in terms of, like, when you're coming into it, like, because I can't even, like, I can't imagine what what it must have been like when big bands were the popular music. Yeah, man. You know? And and how many people in a, is it 16 in a? In
1: In my band, yes.
0: But, like, in a standard big band?
1: Yeah, five saxophones, four trumpets, four reeds, four rhythm. yeah. Yeah. 16, 15, depending on the arrangements.
0: Now, did you go back and try to, like, sort of at least deconstruct, like, Ellington or Basie or no. any of those cats? No. You don't, you know?
1: No, I, I wasn't that interested in that kind of construct. Mm. I was interested in the results of it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, you get the, the, the saxophone section's riff and, and, and the, right. the guitar yeah, yeah, player yeah, yeah, playing yeah, yeah. chomp, chomp, yeah. chomp. Yeah. Just, just the combination of these various spices and how personal they made the band sound, like Count Basie's band sound different from Duke Ellington's band than Stan Kenton's band. So you
0: focused on the sound of the player. Yeah. You weren't that uh, interested in the composition necessarily.
1: Not necessarily. No, the form is it's relative to everybody. has got the same kind of form concept.
0: Yeah, that's right. Call it this, comes from the same well in a way.
1: Yeah, but Duke hired players who gave him his sound from that specific player. Yeah, yeah. Harry Carney, yeah. you know, and Jimmy Blanton. Yeah. They added a certain spice that Duke needed for his band. Right, right. And that appealed to me. I so, said, wow. This this guy Duke Allen, he knows what sound he needs to make his band do what Duke wants it to do. Right. That's amazing to me. So that that's what. So that, that that got
0: in your head. It's like I got a sound. Yeah. Yeah. How am I gonna get that sound out?
1: Yeah. And how can I make it happen every night? Right. Yeah. <laughs> you
0: get the consistency thing is important.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I, I want to open the bass case and say. This night, I'm gonna sound like last night because the sound was perfect for me. I, that's what I'm trying to get my students to understand.
0: Right, and d- it, 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 not everybody's like that, right?
1: Well, I, I think that they got caught up in other things of the instrument. Right. And, and <laughs> it, that, it, 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 that it, works it, for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. what's working for me is that, uh, uh, and uh, fortunately, I've had a little son, so you can't see me blush. Yeah. But uh, when someone plays a record that I'm on, those people who know the music, they know who that is.
0: Right. They know your sound and in I'm a working. second.
1: And I worked for that since back then. Yeah. And I'm working on that as we speak from last night's concert. I've got a big band of 16 pieces, and it's just me. Can I make the same kind of sound for the three guys as I can for 16? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I mean, do you think you can? Absolutely. <laughs> Come on, check me out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: well, that's what interesting is also about about this about tone, you know, of it's, the, per-
1: it's personal. Right, of
0: the instrument itself. Yes, right? and, and,
1: and your hands and yeah. what kind of strings you have. And right. What consistency you bring to the instrument. It's the same thing night in and night out so the instrument in this case bass resolves and sounds based on what you make it do. But your bass that bass that you have now is for 60 years 60
0: years yeah. and the strings you use the same strings all the
1: time. Well they've, they've evolved over the year. that's new material but basically right. yeah. But you
0: know but the feel of it that you know every little scratch and sound I like that feeling. Mm-hmm. And I think that what's interesting for me about, about jazz in that like you guys you know you do like nine records a day. You know something. it's <laughs> just the, the yeah. amount of of of
1: recording playing too, but yeah.
0: that's it. The playing, yeah. Yeah. but but there's something about the the rawness of jazz production, certainly early on. Sure, where you're not you're not you're not screwing with it. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to get the pure sound. Absolutely. So you're looking for spaces that give you the pure sound. Yes, and and that's why you know I imagine that you have you know, like Van Gelder. It was magic place.
1: Yes, to praise him. <laughs> yeah,
0: magic place. Yeah. Why?
1: Well, he understood how to record the instrument. Mm. You know, I would go out to Rudy's in the early 60s on Saturdays, Yeah, we'd spend three or four hours really wondering, how do I record the bass? Yeah. How best can I record it? Where in my studio room should the bass player be in this room yeah. to make the bass sound most effective sonically? Yeah. He wasn't worried about the notes, so he wanted the sound of the instrument. Yeah. We would f- experiment with different pickups, because that was in the earlier days of pickup development. Yeah. He had all these microphones, and
0: so he put a pickup on the instrument, yeah. as opposed to a mic on it. Yes, yeah. But uh-huh. with all
1: that on and oh, off, sure, sure, microphone two feet away, four feet away, oh, so really this kind of out. microphone. Yeah, yeah find what areas. Yeah, yeah. What was the, the plane of sound? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we would spend like three or three hours for about four or five months just figuring out where in this room with this gear would the bass sound best. Right. And once we kind of doped that out, my job. Was to make sure my hands were in condition. The bass was play was was a good instrument. Yeah. I remembered we got this sound by me doing X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. I must do the same X, Y, and Z for the sound of this record that we agree is what we want to hear. Right. But Rudy tomorrow. Right. And then the following day. Yeah. And then the following day. Right. Here we are is 2022. I'm still doing that kind of concept. I know I, I
0: noticed in the uh, in the dock you know when you were recording they showed you in the, in the, in a the booth doing that I don't know who that who you were working with there mm-hmm. but you' were working on a take you were emotionally exhausted and but the like I noticed an intensity that you know you' you're very hard on yourself
1: i expect uh, I expect me to deliver a certain level of performance man
0: I get it I get it but it, 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 do you ever like you, you know give yourself a break
1: you want to have lunch <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah all right yeah but so that sound that you were able to get they you know it seems to me like and, and i don't always understand tone but like if i listen to the really early stuff where you're kind of figuring shit out mm-hmm. and then when you 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 know everything starts to take shape you know the, mm-hmm. the, the tone of the notes your runs yeah, yeah. The, the sliding yeah, business yeah, 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 yeah. i mean do you remember those moments where you figured out how to slide into things and do that stuff
1: well i, I think the issue uh, Marcus, is it's not so much Doing it, yeah is where does it belong in the music okay, yeah, and my constant concern is am I doing it in the wrong tune? Mm. Is it the wrong set of chords?
0: how do you determine that stuff playing with the off
1: the artist? Do, doing it and find out that it didn't work i don't right. hear it too much isolated just me right I got to play with you mm-hmm. to find out did this slide affect him, and is it in the wrong place? Yeah. Is it the wrong key? is it, too, did it fit too the song is it is it too gauche? Right, is it too aggressive? What's that thing on the top that like that? It's, it's extension. It allows oh. the bass to go down to like low C. Okay, which and can the, you pull
0: on it too? Yeah, yeah, which is up. the first one. Yours is the first one? Yeah. You invented it?
1: Well, some guy in Cincinnati invented it. He said, come, come try this out. <laughs> I said, well, if I don't like it, we we'll fix it. He said, we can put it back to where it was. So I went down there, man, yeah. and he put it on, and the rest is history. Yeah, I mean, I've never seen it it's before. It's called an extension. A lot of dudes use it now? Oh, yeah. Uh, there's a clamp that look, opens it and closes to the open scene. I saw it. Uh, it closes
0: it on the fret, on the... First, 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 first fret, basically. The nut, yeah.
1: yeah. And that on an open scene, It's a nice, nice sound. But I think my friends tell me that that's the inspiration for electric bass players adding an extension to their instrument. Some of them
0: have five strings.
1: yeah. Yeah, I, I got fours enough, man. Yeah, I talked me.
0: to you Thundercat. You listen to Thundercat? Yeah,
1: a, a fabulous guy, man. Yeah, nice Anthony, guy. Sweet Anthony guy. Jackson, Steve yeah. Bailey, all those guys—they just play just out of this world, man.
0: Well, so when you like, I noticed that there are guys that you've played a lot with, mm-hmm. like I mean, like fifty records worth.
1: Yeah, yeah. With,
0: so I assume that these relationships, because you know, you're talking as as a, as a guy who who does his thing, focuses on the notes, you know, wants to show up and and do the right notes for the right gig. But I have to assume that over time, even seeing you and uh, Herbie talk, you know, on in the doc on Zoom, like you've done like 80 records with him mm-hmm. one way or another. Yeah. yeah. So you must have uh, an evolving conversation with these guys that yes. go way back. Yes. Like in, in terms of 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 drummers, you know, in terms like. What well Tony Williams and the quintet, but then then there was other guys too that you played, the you great know. Grady Tate and 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 so uh, many Tony K and
1: Tony and, Joe Jones, yeah. right? Yeah. So
0: do you is there something that happens between you and all these different guys? Yes,
1: where you, what? Could two things, yeah. three, three things happen. Right, I bring a love, a, a reputation, yeah, of uh, 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 being able to deliver whatever the delivery yeah. is. Yeah, secondly. I understand that when I go to these projects, yeah. I'll leave my ego at home and bring a spare set of ears so I can hear in stereo. I wanna hear everything that these guys do who I'm affecting what they do. Yeah. And the fourth thing, third thing is, is when I walk in the door of these studios, Mark, or these clubs, yeah, those guys know that the level of music just went up 35% because <laughs> I'm there. Yeah, yeah. And I can only get that respect by delivering each time the bass comes out of that case. right, And that's what makes the drive in me with these responsibilities that I've accepted. Right. Being the place that these various acts, who are not jazz bands, call me because they think that this person, me, can add a certain level of difference to their project that gives them that special spice that they think their project can only get if this guy is on it.
0: You mean like you mean like uh, pop acts? Yeah, like you know Paul Simon, Robert, yeah. Roberta Flack, Tribe Called
1: Quest, whoever. Yes,
0: because that, that Paul Simon album is one of my favorite record. Yeah. and you're all over that.
1: Thing. Yeah, and what amazing me—they have other choices, man. Sure, man. And I, I I I never worried about why they picked me. Yeah. I just got a job to do. Can I make this guy appreciate that he made the right choice by doing what I think is going to make him really sound better? Because I'm standing there.
0: Right, but you know that about yourself. Yes. You're not saying, like, well, I, no, I hope no. I can give them the sound they want. No, no, no. You're no. just saying, like, you know, I hope I can, that, that what I do fits this thing.
1: Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah.
0: So when do you start, like, you know, just in terms of evolving, you know, the form, you know, jazz in and of itself. Yeah. Right? Because, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're an architect of modern jazz, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So when does that, when do you feel... That shift starting to happen because you you're recording that that solo record is like your second or third solo, the the Uptown Conversation, mm-hmm. but but like how it, it seems to me that jazz, although reflecting the times it, it's of, still floats above the time, mm-hmm. like it's its own different zone. But there's all these things going on within the music, yes. you know, certainly in in the in the mid '60s.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So who like. You know, I, I know you play with Miles, but I also know you play with Freddie Hubbard a ton and Lee yeah. Morgan, who I love.
1: And yeah, Art Farmer. Yeah. And Chet Baker. Chet Baker, that's
0: yeah. a, a whole other thing, right? Yeah. Yes. But this is all moving the music forward.
1: Yes. Yeah. So,
0: which conversations with which guys, you know, were did you find the most provocative to you?
1: Well, you know, I, I think that's an easy question to answer that I never really answer. Yeah, because that implies that the names I don't mention who affected Sure, I my, get it. Yeah, yeah, sure. That the, that the other guys were lesser influential. than me. right. And that's not the case at all. So I have to find. I have to learn. I've learned a better way to answer that is that each of those trumpet players, for example, yeah. Art, Chet, Miles, yeah. Freddie, yeah. you know, uh, Ernie Royal, Snooky Young, the big uh-huh. band guys yeah, I played with, yeah, you know, yeah. Emmett Berry. Yeah, each one of those guys were a teacher. Right. And my job is to understand what the classwork is. What is it though with a trumpet player? Because I don't know, I don't play jazz. You know, it's, like- just, it, well, it, it's, it's a lot of factors physically with those guys and lips and chops and stuff sure. like that. But I think they all have a certain need to know if they don't play, who will pick up that slot? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and Clark Terry for example. Yeah. You know, who's the guy who they can hire that if he doesn't play for three notes can make his three notes not missed? Right. And I've been able to find out what note I can play.
0: Sometimes silence, though, right? Yes,
1: yeah. I can determine that You're with this guy. Guys. Yeah, that's right. right. That's right. I'm the person who who turns a dial, right. turns a nut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And, and certain guys respond quicker than Don Ellis. Yeah. he kind of like played outside all the time. But he's was, a big band guy too, right? Yeah, he's yeah. out in Cali- he's out in the California after yeah. he left in New York. at that record called uh, "How Time Flies" with Jackie uh-huh. Byard and Charlie Persip, uh, '62. Uh, but I, I. I I try to sense w- where they think that they want the music to go, and if they don't play this measure or this four and four notes, if I, if I play two notes, is that more than enough?
0: Yeah,
1: right. And right. they trust in my sense of paying attention. Yeah, of being sober. Yeah, of being on time, bringing this reputation You're to the, the sober day. sober guy. Yeah, <laughs> that yeah, man. I mean, back in the day, it was all like okay, uh, can we, we, got,
0: we can count on one guy.
1: Yes. I'm okay with that, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's sure. a society at the time, man. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, can I find the right notes or the right intensity by my presence mm. to say, oh, guys, enough, okay? We, You guys are fooling around, let's get this party started quick. Two, three, four, bam.
0: So did, were you, sometimes were you the guy in the room where they were sort of like, no, oh, I guess we gotta work?
1: Yes, absolutely, <laughs> yeah. And with that comes pressure to deliver. Yeah. So I have to be able to maintain my stats with these guys. Yeah. Because they're controlling how much work everybody gets.
0: Yeah. And when you're playing, like when you know, when you're working, because also, like, I'm, I'm, I'm late to appreciating uh, jazz guitar for mm-hmm. some reason. Like because you know, I'm, I'm kind of a rock guy, a blues guy. You know, once I got into jazz, it was all about horns and and yeah, yeah. the the quintet or the you know the four guys but you work a lot with guitar guys yes yes like you know you i mean you did like a hundred records with george benson
1: yeah and jim hall yeah and and just just lovely people who i learned from who allowed me to teach them what was necessary
0: like what is that? what is that like whether you're dealing with an instrument that has at least four of the same strings yeah so but like what is it what's the big difference between working with guitar
1: Band leaders and horn leaders. I think the difference is the sound of the instruments. Yeah, the the the, the power, the physical power of right. the. And, and once I understand what the physical range is, yeah, that they can be. So my job is to fit in this range where you hear every note I play. Yeah. I don't care what they play, man. You hear each and one of my notes. We always do. Yeah, I, that's my job. Yeah, <laughs> that's you. that. That's why they hire me. Yeah, I want to hear all your notes know you're playing. Well, here's here's here's, here's these five notes, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You and know, they're I, playing chords. Yeah, and whatever. And I'm trying to find out what note of your chord or your line do you need to have to fulfill the re- the requirements of that chord you just played. Yeah. And when I get that right, man, the room just stops. Yeah. Like last night. Yeah. Which that? The, the, the first set, yeah, I was there. the, 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 the we did a, the first song of the night, yeah. It's it kind of set the tone for the whole night, yeah. And, and I found some notes, an order of notes that the band kept playing, but I could see the eyes go like this, man. They opened up, and and the awareness of it's happening. Yeah,
2: <laughs> the this magic is, thing.
1: This, this is the magic. This is a magic night It's gonna take place right here, right now, because of those three notes this bass player played. Uh-huh. That market. It's an amazing feeling. Yeah. But I don't want to know why it happens. I just want to enjoy being swamped with this great feeling of.
0: Well, I think that like, I think wanting to know why it happens and and chasing it as. as Important. Yeah. As being part of your character is problematic. Right. Because because you can't chase it. No. I mean, you can only work for it. Right. And then if it happens, it's a gift. But if you're trying to make it happen every night, you know, I don't know
1: well we try every night to get that special zone you know no
0: no yeah but like you know i i you know i'm I'm not i'm just i'm trying to make a a connection between like this idea like that feeling that happens i mean you know it's special yeah you know it's not you know it's not going to happen from the second you start playing every night to the end of the show but if you're lucky you're in a pocket you know for a third of the show Mm -hmm. or just when it happens and Mm -hmm. you can realize it Mm -hmm. But I think knowing it's special and knowing that it's not necessarily attainable for the entire every show mm. is is responsible.
1: Yeah. Well, wait, wait a minute. Uh, uh, you know, speaking of me earlier, we talked about the being in touch in touch with the audience conversationally. Yeah. yeah. You know, what I decided to do, Mark, along the way, is and my little pattern with the audience, not encouraging them to talk back, but just to hear me with a voice, sure, verbalizing some commentary. Yeah. Uh I, I mention occasionally that we've been we the band yeah. at that moment, whatever yeah. it is, have been doing this band job for a really long time. And, and uh, for example, a trio from Russell and Donald last night. And I explained to the audience that we try to play our best and discover stuff every night. Yeah, but there's a moment in time that when we reach a special plane, right? And, and uh, sometimes, as you people, audience, don't see us every night, every set. That that growth, that level of constantly experimenting—you don't really see that. You see the results of that over here somewhere. Sure. Well, you have just seen the results of all our trials and efforts right now for the last set. Right. To pull them into our growth and and that we recognize that we just passed a special rainbow. Yeah. Right. You know, and and for the first time. Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For, for 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 them, the first time. Sure. And for us. Another return to, Man, this is what this shit is all the about. The zone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think what like what that. I, yeah, 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 that.
0: Well, I mean, I think what I was getting at in, in sort of a roundabout way was like you know in dealing with the fact that you approach this you know you know practically you know responsibly soberly mm-hmm. and and you're putting that work in like that and you're and you're grounded in that way you're foundational in that you know you're you're responsible yeah. and you're not you know high because it feels to me that like in any business whether it's comedy or jazz or something else that the same thing that drives dudes to stay high to get to a place uh is 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 a lack of accepting that the special place comes when you earn it and and you're trying to sort of make it happen mm-hmm. to be in a
1: different zone and it and it kills you okay, well you know just to kind uh, of go back i I'm, i don't want the audience your listeners yeah. to feel that i'm necessarily uh, uh, combining or saying that the, the, the drug scene or the, the the need for a narcotic assistance yeah. is what this music is all about, and that my compatriots, whoever they were or are, yeah. were so involved in the drug scene that I said the date. No, I'm not saying that at no, all. No, 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 right, yeah, yeah. But I've seen guys coming to the date just fucked up, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You know, and, and I would get called on the date because the guy knew that I was the guy who was gonna be high, sober enough Yeah. That these guys had so much, such a high regard for my ability to play yeah. the instrument, yeah, and help them as the only solid, so, so, sober guy on the fucking date, yeah. They counted on me, yeah, to, hold to, it help, to help to help help. They counted the yeah, the, yeah. the users, right? They to, to help them retain a sense of nowness, yeah, 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 That the drug didn't really give them.
0: Oh yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and you didn't you don't like doing those dates, or you? Did? I do because oh. I got better,
1: man. <laughs> Yes. I, got, I got. I was even more responsible. Big, big responsibility. Yes, I'm kind of with all these, best, these guys. These guys, are big motherfuckers, man. They play great, man. <laughs> right. And I'm the only bass player in the band. Yeah. Well, let's yeah. get this mother. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Let's stop this sucker. I'll hold, uh, yes. I'll hold it together. Yes. <laughs> yeah. 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 I said, well, man, when he walks in the door, man, the day, uh, the day goes up 45 percent because he's he's here. Yeah. 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 That. Yeah. And so, that helps me get to wherever I am when, when they when they right. It's it. Right. It's
0: like a, it's like extra training. You yeah. Gotta work yeah. extra hard. Yeah. Like, and you, a, and you can, the homework. Right. And you can listen. Like you probably know there's certain records where
1: you're like, you know, Please. if I wasn't, if I wasn't there. Please. Yeah. That's, <laughs> we don't want to go that far back. Right? Yeah. 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 There's, there's some. I could tell you some stories at another time. Yeah. Uh, that's Yeah. That's just how you can do. Wow.
0: Right. <laughs> like, yeah. how do we even get a record out of that? Yeah. Hello. Yeah. I bet, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, bet. Yeah. So when you play with I imagine, you know, a lot of times guys bring you in to just do what you do. They're not going to tell you what to do. Yes. But there are guys that are more collaborative. Yes. Where you've got to learn.
1: Yes. Did they send me some music to look at at my house?
0: okay yeah and then when you get there i just play you, you, what they wrote right but yeah. are there other times where because like you know i don't know if a lot of people know this i mean you know you know jazz if if you're you you do not know how to take it in a lot of people think like yeah they're just up there riffing but absolutely you, yeah. but the, but you're not
1: no obviously there's a concept that's a yeah, plan in place
0: of course how much of that though like like let's just talk about like freddie hubbard like that guy
1: like was that all on paper it depends on what you talk about. Yeah. I, I tell you what. Yeah. A good example is a uh, Red Clay that record. Okay. He brought in a melody. Yeah. You know, and, and he said, said, "Well, Ron, I got the song." He goes to the piano. Who played? He played a really good piano. Yeah. He played this melody for the piano. Yeah. And he said, "But you know, I need I need an intro to this tune. Can you make an intro to this yeah. tune?" Yeah. I said, "Well, Freddie, where's it going to go?" Yeah. I'm introducing something, Freddie. Right. What am I introducing? Yeah. What does my melody that I'm making up? What am I setting up? Yeah. 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 What is that? Yeah. He said, Oh, it's nothing but this, man. He plays it. Yeah. This is basically like Sonny. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. So I said, Well, I'm mumbling to my head. Rah, 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 rah. Does this work? Yeah. As it turned out, that was the intro for the tune, and everybody who played bass had to learn that line because they went to Frederick Hubbard's tune. Yeah,
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: You know, so yeah. that's collaborative, as you speak of, is that that level of collaboration between composer and bass player in this case? Sure. Absolutely and then and then that
0: that's an interesting thing too because of how much bass you've played on how many records is that you put that out into the world and then exponentially hundreds of bass players thousands that, thousands are like <laughs> yes. what's that riff yeah that's a ron carter riff.
1: absolutely yeah <laughs> and that's that you know it makes me kind of blessed to be responsible for that yeah, but i man. am
0: yeah. yeah and you must be out how you must be sampled a million times
1: yeah and i'm loving it
0: yeah so when all right so Like there was some footage or some sound in the documentary, uh, you know, in when you're talking to miles about getting to a place Mm -hmm. now, like I just listened to Nefertiti like that, that riff is a unique riff, Mm -hmm. right? That, because it seems like, you know, the, the rhythm is being played by the horns and you guys are going at it underneath it Mm -hmm. was now Now what's the discussion around something like that?
1: Well, it's two, three things. Yeah. And 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 I hope this is one. This seems to be the most critical one of that record, that concept. Well, they let the tape roll from time we walked in the studio till we left. Okay, you know, Miles was asking us for help. Yeah, he was asking us, "Hey man, what can we do for this song?" Right. Uh, My point is that he was open to suggestions from their band members. Was that not common with him? Well, no one knew that. Oh, no yeah. one, he thought he was the almighty prince, Yeah, <laughs> and he would go into the date and just play what he played. Right. I'm, this, this, this pre-recording conversation, yeah. it shows how open he was yeah. to asking for help from the other four guys in the band yeah. on how this particular song, Nefertiti, yeah. would be successful musically. Right, okay. It's an amazing view of him. Yeah. I'm sorry people, Slept on that because he got this view of Miles being whatever he is. He's an independent guy of everything. No, Miles could looked to us
0: for help. How could he be? If he's changing like he's changing, he but, can't do that. But, about but
1: no him. one sees that. All they just weird. See, all they all they see that he has changed on his own. No. But that particular CD of yeah. uh, 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 information, it shows Miles asking Tony about a rhythm or yeah, yeah. Herbie how to revoice this chord. How can, Herbie, can you play this voice like this? Or oh, when, when when can? Wayne, help me with this, yeah, whatever yeah, it is. Yeah. He would say, oh, all around can you play this kind of rhythm? I said, well, Miles is a little bit awkward for this tempo, if you could slow it down, or whatever my comments were. He took them as another way to help his project, uh-huh. Nefertiti, uh-huh. be successful. Huh. huh? You know? Yeah, he was collaborative. He's asking for some help. Sure, man. Yeah, and the band who sees this giant, asking them to help this project be successful, that raises their level of their presence, mm. mm-hmm. of course, and how important they are to the success of this music. Yeah, because they they without, they, him, they created without, it without with him, without this music and helpers, yeah, the boss has no help.
0: That's right. But you probably work with guys that just, you know, say, you know, shut up, do this, you know, do that, do this. And, well, tell me,
1: shut up, I don't talk to those guys. No, no. <laughs> but, but, but yeah, you know, yeah. there's no collaboration, yeah. just they're doing a job. And I don't mind that, but that's part of the job. Right, you know? right. I did a project uh, last week where the, the, the singer sung for like three minutes on the track mm. with a keyboard piano in the background. He yeah. wanted to add a bass, part, bass line to his song. Yeah. I said, well, send me the lead sheet for the melody. Yeah. And, and send me uh, you singing, and I'll help you with a, a project, uh, my bass line, that yeah. will... Kind of fill it out for you. Yeah. So I gave him two or three versions of this track, and yeah. he was thrilled that I could do that without being in the studio. I said, "Well, when you send me the stream minute the track, of course it's easier now because I have all your choices already laid out for me." Right. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not waiting for you to decide. Yeah. I'm telling yeah. you, this is what I think works for this song. That's great. And the guy said, "Wow, man, how do you do that?" I, said, I don't know, but I like it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I've been doing it a long time. Yeah, that too. <laughs> <laughs> you know. So with the uh, you know in, in, during the pandemic, it's it, it, it seems like you were you were, you were probably more in touch with some cats than you were you yeah. know, outside of the pandemic.
1: Well, you know we, it was easy because we were all not busy. Yeah, yeah. We all had at home twiddling our thumbs. Yeah, you know, waiting for the waiting for it to be over. Right. You know, and and sometimes people found things to do. Others found nothing to do.
0: But like, do you yeah. like? Are you like? Because I know you know when you work with dudes, you know, I'm on wet, records or whatnot. It doesn't necessarily mean. That you guys are, are buddies, mm-hmm. but it seems like uh, are you friends with Herbie? Do you oh, got- absolutely, yeah yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I'm friends with all those guys on those oh, yeah. records, man. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's not one person who I made a record with who have any kind of ill feelings. Yeah, yeah, no, it's all about trying to find the best note to make those guys sure miss me when I'm not there.
0: Yeah, but you, do you talk about you know stuff?
1: Yeah, we have, we have a life. Yeah, yeah. And we share our lives. Oh, Herbie good, talks good. about this. Uh, oh, good. Uh, Wayne talks about that. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. JJ Johnson will talks about this. Sure, yeah, you know, yeah. Cedar yeah. Walton talks about this. Billy, <laughs> they all have lives outside of this bandstand project.
0: Sure. And now everyone's getting older.
1: And because we understand the other life that we have, it's easy to put the stuff in place on the bandstand. Yeah. You, know, you, you can feel, I know this person. From his days, days, well, hard it's a weird days. thing.
0: It's a depth to it. There's a depth to it. Like you know, even like you know, even in this, you know, the squeak of the, you know, even how you're holding a string. Yeah, as you get you know more wise, more deep, more older, that you know those things ring with an authenticity of what you are in that moment.
1: I'm getting older and wiser. Yeah, you <laughs> yeah. seem like it. Yeah, man. And you're
0: fortunate. You know, you got your head together, right?
1: Well, I'm loving every minute that I get chance to play one, one, one more good note. Absolutely. And
0: do you like? There was a kind of a, a, a touching moment, you know, where where like it, it resonated with me only because I, you know, I've heard it before in 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 the way, not in that way, but like where you wonder not not about the future because of you know you per se, but like you know you need to keep working in order for the music to survive. Yes, that the responsibility of being one of the uh, you know architects of this music that's always struggled. For survival, yes. That there, that as you get older, no matter how exhausted you get, that you feel that the responsibility is still on you. Abs- absolutely,
1: yes. That's a heavy weight. Man. It, it, the guy said, "Man, why do you keep doing this?" I said, "Well, man, this somebody's got to keep carrying the fucking flag, right?" And right. right now, one of those flag carriers is me, still. And I don't mind sharing what I know. That when I put the flag down, this guy's gonna pick it, or this gal's gonna pick it up and take it somewhere else. You feel confident Great. about that? Absolutely.
0: Yeah. You see, Kat, you see a whole new because it feels to me like there's there's always been a a a, 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 you
1: know, a a jazz world. Yeah, Mark, somewhere there's someone who's already developing my concept. Uh huh. He or she. Right. All I can do is keep playing a concept. Yeah, probably in Japan. Okay, well, they're there too, man. Oh, man, oh, yeah. And they have wonderful players over there. Yeah, To take this note that I played and move it somewhere else else in in, in their spectrum of location of a song. That's what the evolvement is. That's what developing is. That's what keeps the bass lines active, even if I'm not playing another note for the next two or three months if I'm off, whatever. Yeah, But I think we have responsibility to continue to propagandize the music mm. to assist to being that fertile ground for people who wanna find what next can we do to help evolve this music that we love the movement call jazz. Mm-hmm. I like to be in that position. It's a little embarrassing to be one of those guys. I'm just kinda the guy who's no longer behind the palm tree. But bass players' notes control a lot of stuff. Sure. And, and once bass players understand that, yeah, the development of the bass is gonna keep getting way, Beyond my imagination, yeah, break. bring it on. Let me see how sure. that. let me see what you guys did with it. yeah, great. thank you very much.
0: yeah. what about the guys who like a lot of the guys you're associated with like there's some dudes that like seem to to do another world of jazz, you know like yeah a, yeah yeah a freeform, more freeform sure. stuff like uh, I listen to uh, Albert Ayler yeah, yeah and uh, and Don Ayler. yeah, yeah yeah, yeah. and I listen to uh uh I, not so much Coltrane but Ornette I listen to Ornette, yeah, yeah. Cecil yeah, yeah. Taylor.
1: Now these guys, how do they fit in to to, to the world, to, to your world? Well, they don't do what I do, right? But I can do what they do. <laughs> yeah, I get it. You know, and, and I appreciate their contribution to another sound, another avenue to do this music. Yeah, you know, uh,
0: shouldn't It's. I've always heard that the argument was like they should be able to do what you do first. <laughs> And then go do that
1: I, I don't get to that level of conversation
0: <laughs> <laughs> Can, do you like to listen
1: to that? yeah, you do they, they come up with combinations of notes that haven't occurred to me, yeah, just like I have a combination that they hadn't occurred to them, yeah, they want to know if I'm playing they playing their their free free sounds and stuff, sure, they hear a certain tonal center, yeah, yeah, okay, well, I hear one too, but it's different than theirs, yeah, yeah. And, like we' were both saying, "Well, man, how could you hear that out of this set, and we hear this out of the same set? It's that kind of curiosity that appeals to me when I hear these various clearly different concepts, sure menu on this on the same menu, yeah, you know, and, and I said, "Well, man, how come I need this spice for the sound, but you find that spice is better for you, yeah, it amazes me that it works, yeah, right, and, right, and, and the jazz right. the jazzman's community. They're the last guys to complain about being different. They want to. They want to do what they do, but they understand there's another area of availability to them. Right.
0: And it, but it's interesting because that that in and of itself, the nature of that is it, it does not is not founded in the consistency that you create. That's right. I get. It. Yeah. That you can, you're going to find a note. But you know, they're gonna go all over the place and you're gonna be like, What the hell is happening here? And yes. like, Oh, there's a note. Yes. But with, with with what you do, you're sort of like, hey, It's a good melody and they're like, Oh shit. You yeah. know, right? uh, the one you yeah. need. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh I But those
1: you. guys play great. I love listening like the William Parker, for example. Yeah. They had to do sounds of the bass that never occurred to me, man.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so
1: man, how the fuck did you hear that?
0: Yeah, yes. and does, yeah. And do you do you feed does it feed you? in a way
1: yes because mm-hmm. another level of seeing how the bass works man
0: well let me ask you the- i like that kind of stuff it's great it's creativity so the other the, i guess the last question really is like you know i heard i, I don't i think it was miles quoted about this and because it sort of changed my life about how i approach my dumb guitar and, and just how i approach things in general is the idea is that i don't remember who was talking about maybe it was maybe it was herbie in that uh, documentary about blue note that mm-hmm. sophie huber did where where you know he like he hit the wrong note and i guess Miles said well there is no wrong note you just follow that note <clears> and, <throat> and and
1: support it somehow yeah 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 is that just a jazz concept no i, I think what we I, I can't answer for him right um uh, my my response to that kind of concept yeah is that when i play a note that doesn't really fit yeah here right x y z right maybe i should wait till abc comes back and try it abc oh, okay I never put it in the trash can. Right. There's a right. no place for it. I just haven't found And, and, and the same what, piece of music. You yeah. Did? Okay. Or maybe a different piece. Right. My curiosity for me is that it isn't that it's a wrong note; it's a right note in the wrong location. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. My yeah, job yeah. is to find a better location for this great note. Right. Clearly, that's not it. <laughs> but but is the note the notes always relative to something? Absolutely. Right. And the environment changes. Right. Every, every chorus. Yeah. The volume, the intensity, the intonation. Yeah. The sounds. Sure. I learned a
0: lot just yeah. watching the
1: documentary
0: from what uh, you know. I, I it was in that the conversation you had know, with Batiste. Yeah, uh,
1: yeah. With John.
0: Uh, with John. Yeah. That uh, you know that the 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 bass's job is 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 defined. You know, is, is there's harmony in that job. Yeah, yeah. And and there's a rhythm and 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 timing.
1: Yes, that's critical to that stuff.
0: Right. But the harmony thing is really what defines. The jazz bass in a way,
1: and that's correct
0: as a singular instance.
1: Yes, and I hope that bass players understand that. Yeah, I hope if I'm bring if I'm if I'm a, a accredited anything for line building. Yeah, it's the fact that my bass lines are melodies in themselves. Right, right. And if you take everybody else on top, my bass line should sustain your interest. Yeah, if bass players can understand that option that I'm trying to play every night. Yeah, they basically take another step. And there's some good players who are waiting for something to do. Just do that. Just take that out.
0: There you go. That's the advice. And how'd you pick these guys you're with now?
1: Because they follow my instructions. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Malone seems like a character. Well,
1: he's a wonderful player with a great sense of humor. Yeah. And Donald's kind of new to New York for the past four or five years, but boy, he's a wonderful, he's a piano player to look Donalega. out for. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah.
0: Well, I enjoyed it a great deal. Thank you. enjoyed talking to you. Thanks, yeah. buddy. Hey, man. Yeah.
1: They can't see me shake hands, but we're doing that right now. All right. <laughs> Thank you. It.
0: There you go. What is uh, deep soul, man? Ron Carter, finding the right notes is now streaming on PBS digital platforms and PBS.org. Enjoy that and hang out for a second, will you? Can you just hang out? Something new we're going to start doing here in this part of the show. There are now hundreds of WTF episodes available for free. And we realize a lot of our listeners might not be aware of everything that's there. So we want to start highlighting some past episodes you can go check out right now in whatever podcast app you're using. I thought today would be good for for Martin Landau uh, because, it, well, I think it's a good accompaniment to Ron Carter. You know, Ron Carter being, you know, people who know jazz, people who know music uh, know this that Ron Carter is the guy. He is one of the guys. He is one of the architects, one of the 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 legends, one of the constants, one of the you know the the true maestros of his instrument and his music and i thought martin landau that's episode 779 from 2017 it was actually recorded just a few months before he died now martin landau was one of the guys was you know james dean's friend was one of the originators of you know was there at the beginning of the american method you know and he'd been around forever and he'd done some great work he'd done some unappreciated work he was on tv in the mission impossible show and he was in uh Crimes and misdemeanors, I think, was really a, uh, a, a as an older man. He was a genius in it, and then he won in the Ed Wood movie, Tim Burton's Ed Wood movie, uh, playing Bela Lugosi. He won an Oscar, but he is a, a beautiful actor with a beautiful craft and a beautiful way to talk about it. And it was a real honor to talk to him, and I learned a lot from it. So this is me talking to Martin Landau. Just a little taste. So now, when you're de- wait, this, is an Oscar-winning performance, a deserved Oscar-winning performance? Well, thank you. Now, when you, when you, when you, what was the process of building this character out from the inside?
2: I, I looked at a lot of. I was doing a movie called, uh, that Mark Rydell directed with uh, Richard Gere and, uh, Intersection. Intersection. Mm-hmm. Was shot in Canada. Tim kept sending me Bela Lugosi movies. Yeah. Including one that I I became a huge fan, Bella Lugosi meets a gor- the gorilla. Uh-huh. Uh, it's it's got Martin and Lewis lookalikes who one sings and one does spastic humor, and they're on an island running around with moo moo's, and there's a castle on the uh, on the island. And there's a mad scientist in the castle, Bela Lugosi, who's injecting serum into monkeys that overnight become actors in a terrible gorilla suit. Uh-huh. And it's called Bela Lugosi Meets the Brooklyn Gorilla. Yeah. And it's it makes Ed Wood's movies look like Gone with the Wind. Uh-huh. I mean, I, I'm not kidding. <laughs> it's... Uh, it's you've got to see this movie yeah because nagoshi is working his ass off playing this part of this piece of trash i my heart went out to him and i saw that in vancouver when i was and then i looked at a bunch of pictures movies of him being interviewed when he was on top of his game, wearing t- a tennis sweater yeah. and looking handsome. Yeah. And then I saw him coming out of the hospital after going to, through rehab and just shaking hands with all the hospital staff. So, yes, I'm going to start a film with Edward Wood again, you know, and stuff. And I became a huge fan. And I said to Tim, I said, if after five minutes they're saying Landau's doing a good job, we don't have a movie, they've gotta believe I'm Bella Lugosi, and I'm gonna break my ass getting there. And I did.
0: Was there something, it seems to me that when you talk about it, that there was something as an actor yes. that you identified?
2: Well, a lot of things.
0: Yeah, because this is an aging guy. He's yes. got a morphine problem that he's in and out of. Yes. Of and course. and he's I've, washed up. Completely. And you found empathy and sympathy and connection with him. Yes.
2: Everything you're saying is what I would say, too. <laughs> <laughs> Everything he said goes for me, too. <laughs> there you go.
0: Again, that's from episode 779, and you can listen to that right now for free in any podcast app. If you want to listen to the archives completely ad-free, sign up for WTF+. Plus. Just click the link in the episode description or go to wtfpod.com and click on the WTF plus tab at the top of the page. Coming up this week, next week. It's next week, right? Today's Thursday. I'm in Oklahoma City at the Tower Theater on Wednesday, November 2nd. Dallas, Texas at the Majestic Theater on Thursday, November 3rd. San Antonio at the Tobin Center for the Performing Arts for two shows on Friday, November 4th. And Houston at the Cullen Theater at Wortham Center on Saturday, November 5th. Then I'm in Long Beach, California at the Carpenter Performing Arts Center on Saturday, November 12th. Eugene, Oregon at the Holt Center for the Performing Arts on Friday, November 18th. And Bend, Oregon at the Tower Theater on Saturday, November 19th. In December, I'm in Asheville, North Carolina at the Orange Peel for two shows on Friday, December 2nd. And then Nashville, Tennessee, I'm at the James K. Polk Center on Saturday, December 3rd. And my HBO special taping is at Town Hall in New York City on Thursday, December 8th. Go to wtfpod.com tour for dates and ticket info. Uh, and now I, I'll, I'll leave you with some guitar from the vault from back in the day.